I'm so forward looking to have an opportunity to sit with the president or stand with the president in debates. There can be plenty of time. So was that a statement or an answer to a question? In response to a question about okay. the debates. Were there some funky like words in yeah, there? Yeah, I want to hear that again. I'm so forward looking to well, have yeah. an opportunity. I'm so to... forward to looking. Yeah, that's not the way mm. the words go. I'm <laughs> so forward looking to have well, to an country. opportunity to sit with the president or stand with the president in debates. There can be plenty of time. Oh, wow. Damn, wow. Tell me. Wow. Wow. I... That's a good strategy, though. He he says that, and then, you know, the campaign handlers just, you know, you drag your feet, you just don't get back, and the debates don't ever happen. That's yeah. what I would do if I were him. Between Biden and Trump, I'm telling you, when that first debate is about to start, I'm going to feel like I felt before my kids' piano recitals. I'm just going to be <laughs> nervous and just, oh, boy. I'm if just, there's a debate. Uh, yeah. yeah. Which is a big if. Again, the first one's not scheduled for almost two months, so. Erg. September 29th. Mark your calendar. Um, I actually should mark my calendar. Because I'll book something, like, really important. I don't want to beat you up with politics. I want to talk about the first atomic bomb, which the 75-year anniversary of is tomorrow, dropping on uh, Hiroshima in Japan. But I'll save that talk for tomorrow. I think there's going to be a lot in the news about that tomorrow. Um, There's already a preview in the USA Today. But some of the conversations that are going on, there's a big push to change... uh, uh, the president's sole power to be able to detonate that thing that, that, that has been in place just kind of randomly, really, since the first bomb. Mm-hmm. And uh, But more on that late tomorrow, I guess. Okay. This politics question, I find fascinating at kind of the macro level of what's happening or going to happen with the Republican Party, particularly if Trump loses. I think that's really interesting. And, I mean, it, it could reshape... Uh, uh, you know, we've got two parties, and and one of them could drastically shift in one direction or another here real soon if Trump loses. And there are a couple of Republican groups out there. If you're super into politics, you know there are some Republican groups out there that are working to not only get Trump to lose, but Republican senators to lose. They believe all but uh, with all but a couple of exceptions. Republican senators have gone along with Trump, and these Republican groups want them to lose, even if it means the Democrats having a full sweep, House, Senate, and uh, presidency. In which what, they are they just crazy? Run. I think they're crazy. Yeah. I think they're completely nuts. Look, Trump's the president. You gotta have a, you gotta have a working relationship. Some of the biggest names in Republican politics are behind these moves. Wow. Uh, to try to get Republican senators booted out, booted out because like they, who? They, Hoover, Bob Dole. Um, uh, let me nail down those names before I throw any out. I okay. think I've got the right. right ones in my head, but okay. I don't want to. Uh, Fair but, but it's some. It's some of your big movers and shakers in in uh, you know the, the opinion makers of Republican politics for for decades. I think it's nuts. But it, but this uh, st- struck me in the USA Today voter parter, voter party affiliation. I sound like Joe Biden. How much it's shifted Come in just on, the man. last couple of years. Get your word straight, Jack. Get your word straight, Jack. Um, currently, you have 50% of people that say they are Democrat or lean Democrat, and only 39% of people say they're Republican or lean Republican. That's the widest gap in a very long time. Mm. 50 to 39. I think probably because the Republican Party, you got to figure out what it is. 
before right. you decide whether or not you're a member of it. We talked about this uh, a number of weeks ago. I can't remember the context, but I think it's really important to know that, that back in the day when you know the conventions meant something, the smoke-filled rooms, the rest of it, a party decided what it was in favor of and against, then nominated somebody to represent that point of view. Now, and this is crazy, now you have a bunch of people on stage that range from radical to moderate to free trade to protectionism to whatever, and whoever wins a plurality, and it might be a smallish plurality, all of a sudden you're all for that. Yeah, that's that's that is no way to run a political party. I've been following this probably too closely, but a lot of our and I I had been a guy who thought for a long time two party system we got to do away with it and parties blah 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 blah. Turns out I was completely wrong. Strong parties are very important to the functioning of the country, and we have very weak parties now, and we have what you just described. Mm-hmm. The parties don't have enough power. They used to have enough power. The reason you didn't have, I'll try to finish one sentence here. The reason you didn't have 15 people running was the parties had the strength to stop that from happening not that many years ago. Right. You wouldn't be able to. Part of it is with the Internet, you can raise money without the parties. You had to have the parties to raise money back in the day. You can go around the parties now. So some of it's that. But some of it is just the weakening of the parties. They used to be able to either buy you off. Look, don't run. That's going to be a problem. We'll fold you in, and if we win, you're going to be this, this, or this. You're going to be the, you know, you're going to be a congressman. You're going to be in the, uh, you're going to be um, a cabinet member. You're going to be whatever you're going to be. They mm-hmm. could they could buy people off, and you'd have been able to keep a. We'll, we'll use the example this last time around. All of those people from running on the Democratic side, the Democratic Party would have had the strength to keep it down to just a couple, two or three. Yeah, and they'd say to John Delaney, look, we'll make you a postmaster general. Well, probably assistant postmaster general. Don't run. Or even back in the day, say to you, look, we're telling you we don't want to do this. If you if you run, you're going to make us very unhappy. And you'd realize, OK, I, I don't want to make the Democratic Party mad because right. that ruins my career. I'll never be anything. So it was more about policies than personalities. Yeah, you had to be. And and now, as you said, if you get 16 people out there running, you might only need to get 12 percent in a state to, quote, win that state. Oh, yeah. With any attitudes that have nothing to do with the with what the party is generally believed. Right. And uh, they just don't have the strength anymore to stop various people from running or ending up getting the nomination. We are better off when the parties uh, filtered all our aggression and anger. We we put our hope in the party, and we, we battled within that system for the Republican Party to stand for this or that, or the Democratic Party to stand for this or that. Mm-hmm. Now we ha- have it all directed at the person who ends up being president, and it's just, it's just not healthy. It's not working out. Yeah. Yep. I agree completely. And that's so uh, not modern, politically correct, uh, you know, the talk that you hear these days. And here's another one for you. You know the word fetish, right? There are there are two meanings to that word. Meaning number one is my wife's got to be wearing velvet. Otherwise, I can't get excited. I have a, I have a velvet fetish. I don't. That'd be an interesting one. Velvet is a... It's a very uh, very sensual cloth. It is, but I don't know how it stands up to like uh, mm. kind of, uh, you know, warm, uh, hot... Uh, worm, did you say? Warm. Oh. You know... Well, uh, and it's not easily laundered. Well, that's what I'm getting at. There yeah. you go. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so that is uh, meaning number one of the word fetish. Meaning number two is 
an inanimate object worshipped for its supposed magical powers or because it is considered to be inhabited by a spirit. I've also heard it used to describe a word, a movie, an album, whatever, that, that gets like a claim and worship beyond anything reasonable. Okay? I think one of the great fetishes in American society today is the word democracy. I think it is worshipped. If you drop the word democracy into a sentence, you are unquestionable. You are obviously a holy man, a prophet you cannot be argued with. And it's, I can't even picture, well, I suppose I can picture it, but I can't take on any serious argument against the idea that we have too much democracy in our politics. It's become not just the mob rule, well, it is, it's a lot of mob rule, but just a, a simple plurality, a little plurality of people causes parties to veer wildly yeah. from policy to policy, from, from philosophy to philosophy, based on whatever gets people hot at the moment. We live in a world where Kim Kardashian has 5,000 times the followers on Twitter as name your favorite author, thinker, whatever. Do we want those people? Choosing our presidential candidates or choosing our policies. No, of course not. Does that make me sound like an elitist? Good. (laughs) Good. I'm going to put on a velvet jacket. Probably some sort of crown. Some bedroom slippers and retire to my mansion. Sorry Hmm. if it sounds elitist, but I don't want the morons of the world choosing American foreign policy. Like, I would generally be... In domestic policy, too. Policy in general. I'm looking, that's 39% of people who call themselves a Republican. What's the Republican Party stand for? It used to be... I don't have the slightest idea. It used to be, in (laughs) theory, you know, small government, low taxes, low spending. You can't give me examples... You can't give me examples of that being the case in recent years. Strong military, that sort of thing. Some of the biggest growth in government has happened under Republicans in, mm-hmm. in recent cycles. So yeah. what does it mean? George W. Bush went from uh, uh, highly restrained American foreign policy to nation-building after 9-11. And the Republican Party said, okay, I guess now we're for nation-building, spreading democracy worldwide like a religion. Um, and when then the it was prescription th- drug thing is one of the great growths in government yeah. of recent decades. Yeah, for instance. You know, what the Democratic Party is, is in favor of is also an interesting discussion, and I find most of it repugnant, but I'm not that worried about it. I'll let them worry about it. Yeah. Yeah, I th- that's, that's good stuff. But what's going to come out of this on the other side, especially if Trump loses? No idea. Uh, I, uh, well, and, and given the current structure of things, I'm not sure it can be fixed. Um. You know, the best counter-argument to my point I can come up with in my own head is you're you're investing too much power in these lying, phony, self-serving political hacks to plan the future of the party. I want the free market of ideas to dictate where the Republican Party goes next. I'm not saying I'm, I'm, I've changed my mind. It's just it's, it's a decent counter-argument. But there's no room for decent counter-arguments and nuance and talk radio, Jack. Right or wrong, good or bad. 
Uh, I do want to play the Biden clip again for anybody who doesn't see hear it. He was asked uh, about his mental state in an interview today. Who who interviewed him? Uh, I don't. I think we'll, it was we'll, have some that, ent- we'll have that for you when we come back. Okay. But uh, if you haven't heard this, he hasn't faced a lot of questions, so it's kind of interesting. Armstrong and Getty. The truth. Spread the truth. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Please clarify, specifically, have you taken a cognitive no, test? No, I haven't taken a test. Why the hell would I take a test? Come on, man. That's like saying you, before you got in this program, you take a test where you're taking cocaine or not. What do you think, huh? Are, are you a junkie? What do you say? <laughs> Is he a junkie? Stay tuned. Come on, man. Come on, man. That was uh, CBS News correspondent uh, Errol Barnett asking the question. And being I wish my name was Errol. Being a junkie. Hmm. I guess I he wasn't it. being accused. He was just asked. I get it. How long has the guy had a cocaine habit? Whoa. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> so uh, the changing nature of Hollywood. Be- because you're crazy old. That's why, Joe. That's why you'd take a test. Disney's live action remake of Mulan. So this has been a thing they've been doing for a while. They take all the classic <laughs> cartoons. They remake the cartoon. Then a couple years later... They remake the cartoon with live action. So you get the same movie three times. Yes. And they make a gazillion dollars. And the kids like all of them. But anyway, the live action remake of Mulan was originally scheduled for release in March, but obviously kept getting pushed back because of the coronavirus. Because movie theaters aren't open. We can't open. We can't release a movie without movie theaters. We won't make any money. Then a couple of movies did come out that way. And everybody realized, oh, you actually make more money if you release it on Netflix or whatever. Because we get to keep more of the profit than when we open it in the theater. Well, here's another new idea. Mulan is scheduled for re, uh, is scheduled to come out free to uh, subscribers on. A, if you have Disney, you'll eventually get to see it for free, but it'll cost twenty nine ninety nine to see it early. Do I understand that right, Sean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So if you want to see it right when it comes out, you pay which, thirty bucks for it, which sounds absolutely outrageously expensive. Till you think, wait a minute, me and the two kids. A little popcorn. Which is exactly what we did with Driving back and forth. Think Trolls 2, or whichever movie it Electric was. Electric Boogaloo. Uh, <laughs> the World Tour. Trolls World Tour. Yeah, I think, yeah. one of those movies. It was like it came out, and I thought, what? I'm not th- $29? Come on, man. <laughs> well, I would spend more than that if we went to the theater. We have a big TV. Um, Yeah, I'll absolutely do it. I'm not going to have to buy popcorn. And the middle-aged dad's delight. The potty break, midway through the movie. <laughs> Come on. Exactly. So, yeah, I think this is the new way to do it, no doubt. Yeah, I, I tell you what, the whole, you know, I'm the wrong person to ask, but the whole movie theater experience thing, I just, I've never been a fan. Oh, you haven't, huh? Not you really. You don't think it's a, a, a step above? No, I've never really, I mean, especially since the dawn of the big screen TV and the the good sound system in your house and everything. I just, Judy and I will crack open a nice bottle of wine or whatever. And, you know, again, you know, end of the uh, second act, right before things get hairy, quick uh, bathroom break and break open another bottle of wine and off we go. It's just a better experience. Yeah, I, I like the giant screen at the movie theater. I mean, that really just, you know, 
There's certain films where it matters more than others, too. Oh, yeah. yeah, and, yeah, and yeah I'm sure. not saying there's no value in the theater experience. But it's just it, on balance. But the margin is not very much. Right. Yeah. For uh, for the everything you have to go through. And it's not even an option now. So, You ever walked out of a movie you weren't enjoying? I think once. I don't remember what it was. And uh, I, I wish I had earlier in my life adopted the idea of turning off movies I'm not digging, stopping reading books I'm not digging, mm-hmm. whatever, instead of feeling like, oh, I've committed to this, so I've got to see it through. What kind of weird idea yeah. is that? But I've done that m- mostly my whole life. Yeah. Huh. What was the movie I walked out of? I don't remember. A long time listeners might remember, but. It's Forrest Gump, wasn't it? No. <laughs> I, I found that movie charming. That was fine. Jenny's a bit of a slut, if you ask me, but. Wow! It was the summer of love. I'm 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 traditional. I uh, I have my point of view. Oh boy! Anyway, uh, where were we? Ah, yes the uh, the show. What do we have time for? Not much. Got one minute. Want to explain to you why one of the most liberal attorneys associations in America thinks the NFL is going way too far with their woke stuff. Really? It's really an interesting situation in which some of the wokest government officials in the country are saying, hey, wait a minute, you're, you're, you've are you gone crazy, you're misleading well, people. Y- you need to reset on why you think the NFL isn't going to happen with a couple of developments that happened in the last couple of days. Um, it is the number sure. one TV show in America. Yeah, my prediction is, no damn way they get three games under their belt. <laughs> That'd be a heck of a thing if that's true. going to go straight sideways. Because It'll of be politics? like a pass that gets batted down. The disease? The vid! Stay tuned. The Armstrong and Getty Show. headline I came across. Another victim of the coronavirus weather forecast accuracy. I I think we'll be fine. I didn't realize this, but um, a lot of our weather information we get from airplanes, flights, and they compile all the data. And we have like 75% fewer flights than we normally have. Hmm. And uh, so weather weather forecast accuracy has dropped off a cliff, they say. I hadn't hadn't noticed. They say it's going to be, you know, hot. It Usually is hot. So. Yeah, where we live, there isn't much weather for six months. But um, oh, what was I going to say? It, it seemed important. Well, it'll pop back into my head. There are a couple of stories that have to do with um, Javier Becerra, who's the attorney general of Cal Unicornia, and he's way left and a nut job and the rest of it. But the NFL, which will not complete three games of its season, says me, Joe Getty. Um, oh, I guess I could tell you why. I heard their uh, head of not getting the vid. I'm not sure what his title is, but he was talking talking on CNN. And they're currently scheduled to have a full-on regular season, right? Just without fans? Yes, yeah, starting soonish, right? A few all, weeks. All the games and playoffs and everything, just regular season. Yeah, no, no, no exhibition games, No, uh, which are fine. They're dumb yeah. anyway. Um, uh, so the people on CNN, of course, were acting as if every case of COVID is a tragedy. And must be avoided at all costs. And I mean all costs. And we've got a bunch of 24-year-olds in the best physical shape of any human beings on Earth. They're all going to be perfectly fine if they get it. But anyway, so that was the conceit. That was the the backdrop of the interview, which I found annoying. But 
<clears throat> the NFL guy didn't push back on that at all. He was acting like, oh, yes, we're going to work uh, to, to prevent every single case that we can and blah, 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 blah. Uh, and the uh, anchorette asked whether he was going to, there was going to be a bubble for like basketball. And he said, no, no, the teams will travel and all, but it'll be a virtual bubble where they uh, they are asked to follow COVID prevention guidelines and you know, social distancing while they're not with the team and stuff like that. Like, what? A virtual bubble sounds like an oxymoron to me. That's no policy. An actual oxymoron. So you're going to tell your guys, try not to get the vid. Which would be fine, again. Now, if you got some sort of 80-year-old head coach, that's obviously I'm not talking about that. But if you were to say, these guys are young and healthy, they're, they're, they won't be hurt. The chances are very slim that anybody will have a serious problem. And if they, if they did, if they're afraid, we'll let them opt out for a year. Um, then I'd think, okay, they can get this done. But they were acting like, you know, if the Philadelphia Eagles get half a dozen cases, eh, they can't play. Really? Well, if they Or are, they'll have to bring in, um, you know, minor leaguers, so to speak. Well, they're canceling all these baseball games, and you don't get near as face-to-face in baseball games as you do in football. Man, those mm-hmm. linemen with their faces <laughs> right up against each other for an hour? Yeah. They're going to extend. You know how some of the guys have the shield over their the eyes, the mm-hmm. upper part of the. They're going to extend that on down, so they're not less likely to breathe and spit on each other. Not not spit spit, but you know, if you're fighting somebody as hard as you can, sometimes saliva comes out of your mouth. Um, but it's it's utterly unrealistic, unless. I mean, they just they can move guys on and off the squad as much as they want, and we're down to the fifth string uh, offensive guard and pulling kids who are still in college out to play and stuff like that. But anyway, they're doomed. But so uh, back to the thoroughly woke lefty who is uh, Xavier Becerra, who's the attorney general of Cal Unicornia. Um, the NFL is is trying to get woke so its players don't revolt. And they have their new Inspire Change campaign. Well, they uh, part of that is a video made by, who is it? Jay-Z. Okay, Jay-Z. Rock Nation is in the name of his company. It's a video about the death of Stefan Clark, 22-year-old black male, shot to death by two Sacramento police officers March 2018 following a chase. The California District Attorneys Association which is left, asked the NFL commissioner to pull the video produced by the league because it, quote, misrepresents the facts involving, uh, well, the shooting. <clears throat> Excuse me. Clark was shot and killed following a 911 call to police about someone breaking windows with a crowbar and trying to open the windows of several homes. He was all high on on one or more substances. Uh, But anyway, he ends up in his grandmother's Sacramento backyard, followed by police who thought he was pointing a gun at them. Turned out to be his cell phone. They didn't know it was his grandmother's home or anything like that. Police footage shows the exchange took only 10 seconds. Officer fired 20 shots, hitting Clark multiple times. Wow, the whole thing took 10 seconds. I forgot that. In the backyard, yeah. And as you may recall, in the video, um, the cops are asking each other, Are you hit? Are you hit? Are you all right? Because they thought the guy had a gun. Said uh, Vern Pearson, who's part of the association, though well-intentioned, the video performs a disservice instead of a public service by omitting the crucial facts which preceded Mr. Clark's tragic death. I happen to be discussing this case yesterday with a number of people, most of whom were, were notably conservatives. Everybody said, it's terrible the young man died. Absolutely terrible. 
But, you know, we discussed the facts of the case and how it could have been avoided by saying, I give up, I give up, I'm right here. Anyway, noting that the video clearly and poignantly describes the devastating impact Mr. Clark's death had on his mother, Pearson, the guy from the association, advises Goodell that um, if the enormity of her grief alone was the content of the video or the, the purpose behind the NFL campaign, you would not be hearing from us. But they left out all the facts. The video fails to put into context the circumstances, simply ignores the critical facts. In part, the attorney general found, quote, evidence establishes Mr. Clark committed several unlawful acts by breaking sliding glass doors on a neighboring home as well as breaking into cars, and that fact was broadcast by police helicopter. Everybody knows it. People thought there were home invasions going on as somebody's trying to open their back door. And this video produced by Jay-Z and his people leaves out all the crime. It's as if this poor guy was just hanging out in his grandmother's backyard when these racist cops came over the wall and shot him to death. That's what the NFL is promoting right now. Hmm. Yeah, it's astounding. You know, and, and this, this article that I think is the, uh, I'm not sure what this is from, is talking about his long criminal record and, and domestic violence and that sort of thing, but um, I don't think that's really relevant to what happened that night. Um, no. Because the cops had no, no. way of knowing that, no. so that's irrelevant. But um, the fact that the NFL would leave that out and just have a, a, a really a pandering, dishonest video. Man, I, now I can't watch the NFL. Well, you're not helping anybody when you do that either. No, you anybody, really are. You you're causing make, division. Yeah. Hey, speaking of somebody trying to break into your sliding glass door, uh, Simply Safe is the best overall home security system available in 2020, according to U.S. News and World Report. It's all the good stuff you want and need, none of the bad stuff. A lot of times you get trapped with high prices, tricky contracts, and lousy customer support with some of these home security systems. I've heard that from people. And that they're too complicated to use. So people kind of think, eh, I'm out of this whenever. In a couple of years when my contract's finally up, I'm out of this. Well, there is no contract with Simply Safe. It's about $15 a month. You install it yourself, and it's simple to use. That's why it is the best overall home security of 2020, according to U.S. News & World Report. Professional monitoring keeps watch day and night, ready to send police, fire, or medical professionals if there's an emergency. It's better. It's less expensive. It's easy to install. Try Simply Safe today at simplysafe.com slash Armstrong. You get free shipping, 60-day risk-free trial. That's simplysafe.com slash Armstrong. I got a bunch of statistics about housework. I'm trying to decide if any of them are interesting here. The average American spends almost 24 hours cleaning their house each month. So a full day of your life cleaning your house each month. But, you know, spread out over 30 days. Uh, About six hours a week. That sounds like, uh, what, roughly 45 minutes a day? Sounds about right. Yeah, pretty good looking house you do that. Depending how many youngsters and dogs you have. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's a sliding scale. Um, what do you hate the most? Uh, for most folks, sweeping and dusting is taking up most of their cleaning time. Why? That's I do that the least. We don't I need. Dust. We don't dust as much as we need to. I should dust more often. Should be. Gosh darn it! Need a designated duster to come in. I just. I like I the bathroom it. to Window be clean. Sills, just, uh. Bathroom clean, half people say that takes up most of their time. Laundry. I'm I'm endlessly doing laundry. Just endlessly. Oh yeah. Yeah. When you got when you got kids, it's just it's just nonstop. Well, I mean it is for anybody, but I mean like giant piles of laundry endlessly. Yeah. It's just incredible. 
Is laundry housekeeping? I guess mm. it is. Housekeeping. Most people hate household chores so much they'd give up date night if it meant having help. With 20% skipping a date night specifically to get some help doing laundry. Okay, fantastic. How would that work? I don't know. Seems like a bit of a false choice department to <laughs> yeah, me. Exactly. Yeah, that, that, the math is funky. Yeah, I don't know if I uh, buy that. I think I've got family members who wear too many clothes. I think that's what the problem is with the laundry situation. <laughs> mm, do tell. Well, like too I, many layers? I wear one outfit a day. What I'm yeah. wearing right now is what I will wear all day long. So you, know I how much laundry, you, on that. you know how much laundry Ugh. I will produce today? One pair of pants, one shirt, one pair of socks, one pair of underwear total for the entire day. Everybody else goes through like their Reba McIntyre at a concert. <laughs> Good like reference. 15. Okay, Boomer. Hey, Esther. Get off the board, Esther. Yeah, who would be a more modern, good, changes outfits a lot? Uh, Taylor Swift? I'd say even even Cher is more relevant. I'm by a thousand <laughs> Lady times. Gaga, perhaps. Uh, uh, even a Britney Spears, maybe. Lady Gaga. Mariah Carey was notorious. <laughs> in, in her episode of Cribs. <laughs> good reference. In her episode Cribs of Cribs, Mariah Carey changed like seven times. Wow. In a TV episode. Like, it wasn't wow. even... She, okay, What's hold on. about? Each room, she would have to put on a new princess gown or something ridiculous. Sam's more like me, one outfit a day. Henry and uh, and my wife, Laura, they, they each go through, like, they're like, Reba freaking McIntyre. <laughs> 15 outfits a day. <laughs> this is my kind of saucy look. This is me being... This now is I'm, me as a farm girl. Now I'm sporty. <laughs> right. <laughs> Just so many outfits per day. Soccer shorts and t-shirt the minute I hit the door. Oh, yeah. Sweet relaxation. Oh, yeah. You can't relax in those clothes? No. No. How come? Oh, too constricting. Yeah. It's too constricting to relax. I would never wear long pants again as long as I lived if I could get away with it. Really? Yeah. I'm just, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a nature boy. I I'm got a... fabric on my calves. What, what do I do? <laughs> ow, ow. It hurts. It rubs. <laughs> right, it's just the way I am. Mm. What's stopping you from wearing that outfit to work, especially now when there's nobody here? Really nothing. Hmm. I don't know. It, 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 it would have a bit of a, you know, as George Costanza. Is that okay to make that reference? Because that's as old as Reba McIntyre. <laughs> um, it's iffy. It is iffy. Um, uh, but like you said, you know, you wear sweats. You look like you've given up. If you show up in a t-shirt and soccer shorts, does it have a look of, you know, you just don't care about anything anymore? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, we, we generally dress in something like business casual around it. No, we don't. It's more like nice uh, backyard barbecue wear. That's what we wear around here, isn't it? Except for Sean, who inexplicably is sporting a collared shirt today. Which can only mean one thing. What is it? Laundry problem. There we go. It's out time of, to do laundry. Out of t-shirts. Opened up the drawer. Oh, that's an empty drawer. Time to go to my grown-up Do clothes. collars chafe your neck the same way that long pants chafe your calves? Is that why you're against collars? <laughs> no, I'm not against collars, but I've had jobs where collars are required. I gotcha. So when I don't have that, I'm like, well, screw that. We have breaking, breaking political news. Uh, nobody cares about this in the mainstream media, certainly. But Barack Obama used a pseudonym in emails with Hillary Clinton, according to FBI documents. I need to hear more about this. What? Yes. I need to hear more about this. Well, you're about to. By God, I will deliver. I will stay tuned. All right. Put on the garment of your choice and, and, and sit I was, down. I was going to put in my Reba McIntyre CD, <laughs> but I will stick That's around for this stuff. story. Yeah. Armstrong and Getty.
get to Lebanon's mushroom cloud of incompetence, according to a guy who uh, lived there his whole life, and what yesterday's big explosion means. And it's way more interesting than if it had been a missile. So stay tuned for that. Wow, okay. All right. The State Department has refused to make public... Um. Oh, that's that's a weird way to start the article. We'll circle back to that. President Barack Obama used a pseudonym in email communications with Hillary Clinton and others, according to FBI records made public Friday. They just released the FBI did a second batch of documents from its investigation into Clinton's private email server during her tenure as Secretary of State. What? Like scrub it with a cloth? The 189 pages the Bureau released included interviews with some of Clinton's closest aides. You remember old Huma Abedin and and, uh, Cheryl Mills, who were granted immunity without condition before they testified for reasons nobody can figure out. Um, And uh, interview even with Marcel Lazar, better known as the Romanian hacker Guccifer. Let's see, in April... In an April 5, 2016, an interview with the FBI, Aberdeen was shown an email exchange between Clinton and Obama, but the longtime Clinton aide did not recognize the name of the sender. Once informed that the sender's name is believed to be a pseudonym used by the president, Aberdeen exclaimed, How is this not classified? The report says, Aberdeen then expressed her amazement at the president's use of a pseudonym and asked if she could have a copy of the email. The State Department have refused to make public that and other emails Clinton exchanged with Obama. Lawyers have cited the presidential communications privilege, a variation of executive privilege, to withhold a message under the Freedom of Information Act. Um, <clears throat> you know what's interesting? Interesting is it, it doesn't say what the pseudonym was. Was it uh, Ron Mexico or uh, what's our other favorite athlete pseudonym? What was what was uh, Huma's husband's? Carlos Danger. Carlos Danger. Yeah. 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 The report doesn't provide details on the contents and that sort of thing. Um, it's been known since last year that Obama and Clinton corresponded occasionally via her private account, but the White House has insisted Obama did not know she relied on it routinely and exclusively for official business. But evidently, he was emailing her on her private account, uh, calling himself, you know, Carlos Danger or, or uh, I don't know what else. Millard Fillmore. <laughs> Alex Baldwin. That'd be pretty funny. <laughs> Um, uh, Lebanon's mushroom cloud of incompetence. So, uh, I, uh, hope you've seen the video by now of that, um, a giant explosion they had 3000 tons of ammonium nitrate, which is a fertilizer and very explosive, uh, was, well, you'll hear about it here, what was going on, but exploded yesterday. And it's, it's some video we've got it at armstrongandgetty.com. It's amazing. Anyway, this guy who grew up in uh, Lebanon, he lays out many paragraphs of how the country um, devolved over the, the many decades that he lived there. And we're nowhere near that in the United States. I'm not trying to drive that kind of parallel, but it's just, you know, how when societies decay, where you end up. And and, and, and what it looks like as they decay. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, I want to know when I'm at stage one. Yeah, I don't want to wait till stage yeah, no, four. Kidding. The uh, the area where this explosion happened, a port, their prime real estate for political, criminal, and militia factions, multiple security agencies with different levels of competence and different political allegiances control various aspects of the operations, and recruitment in the civilian bureaucracy is dictated by political or sectarian quotas. 
There's a pervasive culture of negligence, petty corruption, and blame shifting endemic to the bureaucracy, all overseen by a political class defined by its incompetence and contempt for the public good. Wait a minute. It's unclear what combination of these elements let a bomb-in-waiting sit in a warehouse for almost six years, moved fireworks next to it, and allowed irresponsible work practices to be carried out nearby. But the catastrophe, while exceptionally severe, is a result of business as usual in Lebanon. He said it's a banal explanation, but this is the rot that has been going on in this country for some time. Yeah, I guess it's super corrupt. International agencies and and just countries, the United States, want to help the people of Lebanon, but you can't. It's like giving money to the the mafia But not enough attention gets paid to the problems with... You know, you hire people that aren't qualified for various positions, but they're donors to the political party and just all that sort of crap. And you can't fire them. There's no question of competence or efficiency. Nobody even asks. Right. Yeah. And you just that causes rot. You just keep sliding down that slope until you've got a bomb, as he said, sitting there for six years. And then you move a fireworks factory in, in next door. Right. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah. I loved your story about taking your son to the dump where the guy working there was just abusive and not helpful and the rest of it. And you explained to him. He's a government worker. He can't be fired. So he doesn't care. Mm. Rot. Rot. Anyway, uh, our text line is 415-295-KFTC. 415-295-KFTC. Armstrong and Getty.